All right, so it's been five years since I've been doing this as a living, making videos and things like that. And so you can tell the difference is progressively getting cheesier and cheesier as the rest of the world gets better and better. Um, I'm still working with five years ago technology, which is more like 20 years ago technology in video world. Um, so anyway, we're starting this new series called Go. Um, and it's based off of the, the verse in Matthew 28. Uh, Matthew 28, uh, 18 through 20. It says, uh, Jesus then came to them, he says, all authority has been given to me, basically, okay? And then he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then, and then he says this, he says, and, and get this, I'm going to always be with you. I will be with you. So there's two things that we're going to focus on in this series. One, go. Go, 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 go. And, and, and here's, what, here's what a lot of people take that to mean. Y'all come and hang out with us in our church. You know, y'all, y'all come hang with us on Sunday morning, you know. And, and, you know, for a lot of people, church is like the scariest thing in the world, right? I mean, church is, whoa, hang on, freak show, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and so we are not even commanded to tell people, hey, y'all come hang out with us. We're commanded to go. And so we're going to be talking about that. Uh, the other thing is is uh, low. <laughs> if you read like the old uh, King James Version, he's like, low, and low, I am with you always. I don't even know what low means, but it means, hey, yo, check it out. But he says, I am with you always. So when you go, he is with you. And so if you have that kind of friend with you, Jesus, I mean, what's, what can stop you, right? So we're going to be focusing on these two things. But first, here's what I want to do today. I want us all on the same page. I want us all to understand that the Bible is completely true. Because if we don't have that foundation to start from, to to work off of, then when somebody says, well, yeah, but what about this and what about that, then we're just kind of like, oh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you're right, okay, I'm not going to be a Christian anymore. You know, that kind of thing. I mean, it's it's very very easy to get swayed, especially by people and our culture and that kind of thing. So today... My goal is to show you that the Bible is true, completely true, all true, 100% true, okay? Um, and so, here's the thing, we, we can't, I can't, I can't use the Bible to prove that the Bible's correct. I've seen that done a hundred times in sermons, and I don't know why. They pull out the Bible and they say, well, in 1 Timothy it says the Bible is God-breathed, and, you know, the Word of God is breathed by, you know, and you're just like, but you're using the Bible to prove, you can't, no, it doesn't work. So here's the thing. We're going to look at just regular everyday things today, and then we'll get into the Bible uh, a little bit after we've kind of, you'll see. All right, so here's the deal. We can't base, how can I phrase it? We, and, and for some of you, I probably have, have said a few of these things here and there, but I wanted to put it all together today. We can't prove that the Bible is true. Here's why. You can't, you, 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 you weren't there. You didn't see it, right? You weren't there when Jesus was here on earth. You weren't there at his crucifixion. You weren't there when he was raised from the dead. So we can't actually prove the Bible is true. Here's what... We do, and this is the same way it is in, the court of, in a court of law. Many, many, some of you are lawyers. And, and so, you know, when there's a murder and there's a jury, the jury didn't see the murder. So what they do is they base their decision off of evidence. Okay? Right? So here's the deal. I just dropped that, right? All of y'all saw it. It's proof to you. Right? Right? Julie, did you see that? 
you, I mean, that's incredible. Leaf, you saw that? All right. Back in the back, we saw that. Chuck, all right. We saw that. Here's the thing. These jokers running the Iron Marathon and killing their bodies right now, they didn't see it. It never happened to them. Or they don't know. But here's the thing. We have, I don't know, we'll do a count here in a little bit, 30 people in this room that can testify and say, you know, place their hand on the Bible, sit on the stand, talk in the microphone. I saw Jason drop the water bottle last week. It was the most incredible drop I've ever seen in my life. It was unbelievable. It bounced. It was awesome. Uh, And so you, you see what I'm saying here. So we're not, we can't prove anything, but we can look at the evidence that we have of Scripture, and we can see that, and and by the end of the day, I hope you're blown away. If not, come talk to me, because I'm going to give you seven general principles, seven general things that all have hundreds of specific items underneath them that are evidence that shows the Bible is true in what it says, it is true in, in who it is, and who wrote it. First thing, by the way, if this was a, were a court of law, this would be a slam dunk. It would be a slam dunk. Okay? I promise you. you. You'd agree with me. Yeah. Okay. So here we go. First thing. All right? You got seven points. First point, authorship. Authorship. Y'all ever heard this uh, theory? You know, maybe there were ten guys that were just sitting around a table for two years, and then they, they wrote the Bible. You know, maybe they just wrote it all up and just kind of put it together and they bounced ideas off of it. Y'all ever heard this? It's actually a pretty dominant theory. It takes, takes many different forms, but this is the gist of it. But here's the thing. There are 40 different authors, and this is, this is your point, 40 different authors of 66 different books over a period of 4,000 years. It may actually be longer than that. It could, up to be, could be up to 7,000. You can fill in the number you want. It could be four, five, six. 7,000, whichever you like. But 4,000, that's, that's when, we, when we believe would be the earliest time that Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. All of which have the same assertion. All of which have the same main idea, the same thesis. God loves you. God loves you. All of which in the Old Testament point to Jesus. They point to a Savior. They point to Christ. Now, the Bible is perfectly put together like this. Even if there were ten guys sitting around a table for two years saying, hey, well, what if we do this and write this prophecy here and then we'll fulfill it here and then this and that, it, it would be impossible. It would be impossible to make it all work out. Um, there's a guy named Josh McDowell. He's pastor, apologetic kind of guy, all that kind of thing. He kind of worked up the... The way, you know, the number, if you would, of the possibility of actually getting all this correct. And I don't know if he's correct or not, but he worked up that it was 10 with 17 zeros behind it. I don't know why it wasn't 1 with 18 zeros behind it, but it was 10 with 17 zeros behind it. Whatever number that is, that's that's the possibility that all of this would just work out if somebody wrote it. So... So that's one. I mean, that's, that's incredible. Now, here's the thing. A lot of people say, well, what about, what about the Gospels? You know, you look in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and, and they're different. What, what's going on with that? I mean, Mark says one thing, and John doesn't say anything about it, and Luke says kind of the same thing, but it's a little different. And, and didn't, didn't Matthew have uh, uh, one, uh, one feeding of the 5,000, but Luke had two? Or What's going on with that? You know, are they the same one? Did he... Did you do that? So here's the deal. I need, I need my four volunteers. 
Who, who, who are we going to volunteer here? Oh, nobody. Oh, this is sad. Sad, sad. Here we go. Miss Laura, come on up here. Did you write anything down? You didn't write anything down, did you? Who wrote it? All right, Miss Claire. Here we go. Okay. Thank you, Miss Claire. Oh, that's, that's, oh, now we're talking semantics. Mrs. Laura, Miss Laura, I don't know the difference. Claire, yeah, come on up here, Claire. I need three more, please. I'm dying up here. Claire, come on, Laura. Two Lauras. Let's get a guy up here. Let's get a guy. Who we got? Who we got? Anybody? Charlie, all right, I got my whole in-laws. Ryan, come on up, too. Come on up. All right, here's what I want you, I want you to tell me, what, read what you wrote down. It's on the other side there. All of it? Yeah, oh, read what you wrote down, just okay. real quick. Saints were losing at first. Saints fans cheered them on without stopping. Peyton Manning threw the ball to the Saints player by mistake, and the Saints won by divine intervention. Oh, that makes me feel good, doesn't it? All right, all right, all right. Thank you, Laura. Okay, Claire, here we go. What do we got? I mostly remember the tears in Drew Brees' eyes as he held his baby boy at the oh, end of the game. Nice. Yeah. Um, the joy of the Saints fans in the crowd uh-huh. during the, the game when they were panning their uh-huh. faces. Yeah. Um, the feelings of the love in my family that we had as we were yeah. celebrating yeah. and watching. High fives going around. Absolutely. And um, mostly it was that feeling of that long-awaited, long-anticipated, is this really going to happen oh, kind yeah. of thing that everybody had. Right, right. Okay, great. Y'all. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Claire. Okay, here we go. Charlie, what do you got? Uh, came from behind with a great defense and a remarkable offense led by Drew Brees and his past completions. Nice point. Nice point. Great. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you. All right. All right. Here we go. All right, Ryan, what do you have? I just got one sentence. I just remember the interception in the fourth quarter that wrapped up the game. That was what you remembered. Right, yeah. And, and, and so, I mean, you see how everybody remembers something a little different, but it's the same event, Right. I mean, this is, this is something that, that happened, what, three months ago? Was it even that? Four months ago? When was it? End of January? Beginning of February? So, I mean, this, is, this was not long ago. Well, the writers of the gospel, they wrote almost the exact same things, maybe a little different here and there. They wrote their gospel, they wrote their books, their letters, 30 years after Jesus had risen. I mean, that's pretty good. That's a good memory. Of course, back then they practiced memory. They memorized a lot of things. And so here's the thing. You notice in all of these stories, none of them were exactly the same, right? And, and if you've seen, uh, you know, any CSI show on TV, any story that's exactly the same, you always become suspicious, right? Oh, they got their story straight, you know? And it's true. If, the same, if it's the same story, then something's happened. Detectives don't like it when the story is the same. They like the different angles because people are different. And so the, the fact that the Gospels are different actually gives us evidence that the Gospels, that this were, these were written by different guys. Now, on top of that, we've got evidence that the, uh, the, the letters, every book of the Bible was written at a different time. It's a different language, it's a different dialect. I mean, scholars have studied and studied and studied this stuff. This is not even a debated issue. Not at all. Nobody debates that, that these are all different letters, different books. Okay, so that's point number one, authorship. Point number two, historical 
witnesses, historical witnesses. And we're going to look at just two, to, two guys, but there's actually several more. One's named Josephus, and one's named Tacitus. Tacitus. There's actually a few other guys, uh, one's named Philo, um, and I forget the others now, I, I can't remember them now. They get funny names. Um, but Josephus, here's what he wrote. Now, he was not, when I say historical witnesses, okay, these guys were not alive during Jesus' time. Josephus was born about four years after Jesus um, was crucified and resurrected. But here's what they were. These guys were historians. They wrote about history. They wrote about what was going on in their time, in their day. And here's what Josephus wrote. It's not up here, but I want you to, I want you to listen to this. It says, About this time came Jesus, a wise man, if indeed, if indeed it is appropriate to call him a man. For he was a performer of paradoxical feats, a teacher of people who accept the unusual with pleasure, and he won over many of the Jews and also many Greeks. He was the Christ. Uh, I think uh, people, scholars believe that he was, he, what he was saying there was that he was called the Christ. Um, and so uh, it goes on, When Pilate, uh, upon the accusation of the first men among us, those being the Pharisees, condemned him to be crucified, those who had formerly, formerly loved him did not cease to follow him. In other words, the apostles, his disciples, they continued to follow him even after he was crucified. For he appeared to them on their third day, living again as the divine prophets foretold, along with a myriad of other marvelous things concerning him. And the tribe of the Christians, so named after him, has not disappeared to this day. Now, he, it's believed that he wrote this somewhere in the 70s, 80s, uh, about that time. And so he's writing about history and things that are going on in his time. Now, a lot of people actually think that, you know, when they, that some stuff was put in, you know, about him being Christ and that kind of thing. But no one debates, no one debates that he was writing about Jesus. Here's what this proves. This is evidence that shows Jesus was real. Because a lot of people will say, I don't even believe Jesus was real. I don't think he even existed. I think he is just a, a, a conglomerate of different religions put together and all the good stuff is in one religion and that kind of thing. You'll hear that a lot. But Josephus, and, and, and here's the thing. Nobody debates, nobody debates this. Nobody debates whether, oh, okay, well, yeah. I don't know, maybe not. This guy Tacitus. I know reading to you is boring, but let me, let me read this because I think it's fascinating, and you should too. All right, Nero fastened, he's, he's writing this, he said, Nero fastened the guilt of starting the blaze and inflicted the most exquisite tortures on a class, of hate, on a class hated for their abominations called Christians, or Christians by the populace. Christa, Christus, that being Christ, from whom the name had its origin, suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius, from, uh, who reigned from 14 to 37. I, I, I don't know how he knew that, because uh, they didn't have that, so I'm, I'm guessing that's added in. At the hands of one of our procurators, Pontius Pilate, and a most mischievous superstition, thus checked for the moment, again broke out not only in Judea, the first source of the evil, so he's not a Christian, obviously, but even in Rome, where all things hideous and shameful from every part of the world find their center and become popular. Again, 
He's not, he's not saying Jesus is, is God. He's not saying Jesus is, is anybody special. But what he is saying is that Jesus lived, that he was crucified by Pontius Pilate. And Josephus gives credit and says that you know, something happened where they keep following him. Now, here's what we know. Here's what we know. This, this gives us evidence to know that Jesus is real. But here's what it also does. People follow, people follow one of two things. They follow a, a, a main idea, a, a principle. But eventually that will die out. Peter, Paul, James, John, all these guys, they followed a man. Because they saw him again after he rose. They saw something proven by Tacitus, proven by Josephus, that said, we will continue on to follow this man. Not this principle, this man. Everybody with me so far? Okay, so number three. Number three, manuscripts. We have over 24,000 manuscripts that are close to their original date while other documents are hundreds of years away. We have over 24,000 manuscripts that are close to their original date, while other documents are hundreds of years away. Now, here's what I'm talking about with this. Um, it's actually believed that there's over 50,000 manuscripts out there, but many of them are privately owned uh, and bought, and so we don't know for sure, but... In public places, we have over 24,000 manuscripts in museums and, in, in, I don't know, museums, you know, wherever they keep these things, seminaries, that kind of thing. Um, and so here, here's the thing. When I say manuscripts, I mean we have writings that go back to, say, 200 A.D., 300 A.D., 400 A.D. We do not have original manuscripts, original writings of any of the biblical documents. None. In fact, there are very few, if any, and I, I can't think of any, and I've done the research on this, um, that there are original manuscripts of something going that far back. Does that make sense? It, it, it just doesn't exist. It degrades over time. It's just they're not original. They're rewritten. So that's what we talk about when we're talking about when we say they're close to their original manuscript because they wear out now uh some of these copies um like from other writers tacitus josephus we have those as well but we have very very few of them for instance um we have eight copies of herodotus's historical works which was originally written in four before between 480 and 425 bc they're just copies Five copies of Aristotle's writings have found their way to our time. That's it. Ten copies of the writings of Caesar. No originals in any of these. Twenty copies of anything that Tacitus wrote. Twenty copies. And seven copies from the historian Pliny, P-L-I-N-Y, who only wrote, uh, who all originally, all of these guys originally wrote uh, in the first century, Caesar, Tacitus, Pliny. Um, and, and so you see that we don't have a whole lot of manuscripts. We don't have a whole lot for these guys. And yet, our culture does not at all debate that they are true. 
they will debate, well, here and there, you know, in this part, that may not be right, in this part, that may not be right. But as a whole, they don't debate that they're not true. They give it credit. And yet we have 24,000 manuscripts that proves that, well, let me rephrase that, that gives ample evidence to show that Scripture can go back. And then we found Dead Sea Scrolls. They're just these things in jars and in caves in Iran and Iraq. I mean, they're just sitting there for thousands of years, written by these guys called, called the, uh, the well, Essenes, basically. I'm not going to get into this with y'all. Y'all don't care. All right, so, so here's the thing. They, they didn't dry up. The air, the air was arid and it was dry, and we found all this stuff. And it proved so much more because it was Old Testament stuff. It was Old Testament documents. Did you know that uh, up to about 50 years ago, we didn't believe that uh, the first five books of the Bible could have been written by Moses? When I say we, I mean the world, the culture, uh, scholars. They didn't believe that the first five books were written by Moses because they didn't believe that Moses had the ability to, to write. And in that culture, the Israelites didn't have the ability to write. And then we found this thing called the Hammurabi Stele. You ever heard of that? It's this big black rock, and it's got writing all over it, cuneiform and, and all kinds of crazy stuff. It goes back before Moses. And so all of a sudden, we have to th- change our thinking. We have to say, wait a minute, if, if they could write, then Moses could write as well. Then Moses maybe could have write Gen- written Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus, Deuteronomy and Numbers. And so... Things that are said today, a lot of times they're not even based on evidence. They're just based on, eh, I don't think it happened. So we've got to be very careful, and we have to understand that we get our understanding of Scripture from evidence. Okay? Uh, today we have 5,300 known Greek manuscripts, 10,000 Latin manuscripts, and 9,300 Early versions, these are like within 200 years of the original writings, 9,300 versions of, the, of Scripture. This is a big deal. This is huge. Now, number four, archaeology. Archaeology. Now, this is the one that blows my mind. I think this is, I love archaeology. I would hate to go and be on a dig and just sit there and, you know, brush dirt off a rock for three hours because it could be something and then you know you find out nope just a rock you know that kind of thing that would drive me crazy but i love the findings that we find that we get from archaeology and and people i mean they're digging up the holy land like crazy all right and and here's one thing that that was found recently and 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 this is the evidence that we have from archaeology many biblical locations or documents have been found and proven, or in other words, given ample evidence to show that Scripture is accurate. To show that Scripture is accurate. One example, um, and this is one of hundreds, thousands, really, um, but this is a very specific example. It's one of the coolest um, that I know. It's in the, in the Old Testament, uh, in the book of Joshua, chapter 6. There's an account of the Israelites defeating the city of Jericho. They, they, they just got done spending about 40 years in the desert, right? Because they were stupid and didn't want to follow God. 
And so God said, all right, Josh, you're going to lead them out. So take them out. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and I want you to march around the walls of Jericho seven, for seven days, seven times each. And then on the last time, the seventh day, I want everybody to just scream real loud. I want you to blow your horns, the, the trumpets, all this stuff, and then the walls are just going to come down. You know, I mean, this sounds so far-fetched. Well, they, they found the city of Jericho. They started digging it up. And in the 19, uh, let's see, 1907, 1909, there was a German team. What they found was a pile of mud bricks at the base of the mound that the city was built on. There was no city itself. It was just a bunch of bricks falling down. Then this British archaeologist, her name's Kathleen Kenyon. She comes back, she re-excavates in the 1950s with more modern methods, more modern equipment. And uh, she determined that uh, the city wall was the thing that had actually collapsed. It was the actual city wall that had been destroyed, just like God had said. <clears throat> now, okay, that's great, that's cool, but any wall can fall down from anything, right? And, and, and so the Bible goes on to say, it says, it says uh, the, when the walls collapsed, the Israelites stormed the city, they set it on fire. Here's what she found. She wrote in her ex- excavation uh, report. The destruction was complete. Walls and floors were blackened or reddened by fire, and every room was filled with fallen bricks, timbers, and household utensils. In most rooms, the fallen debris was heavily burnt. So, so you know, God caused this. Maybe he used an earthquake to do it. I got no problems with believing that. But, but here's what's even more remarkable about this story. If you remember, there was this lady, Rahab, and she was a prostitute. And Joshua sent in, before they invaded the city, he sent in two, sp- uh, two spies. He said, go check it out, find out what's going on. And the spies were starting, people starting, wait a minute, what's going on? I think there's some spies around here. Rahab took them in and, and hid them. And they come into her house, they're looking around for her, and I don't know where spies are, I got no idea what you're talking about. I go to somebody else's house, I'm a prostitute, you know, whatever. And, 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 so, and, and so they leave, and, and they, they get out by the wall, because her house was on the wall, it was right up against the wall. And so she said, hey, before y'all come in and take over, y'all make sure y'all get me out. I helped you out, you helped me out. And they said, all right, we're coming back for you. And so here's the remarkable thing. <clears throat> the, the earthquake or the, the whatever caused the wall, God, the way he caused the wall to fall was in such a way that a part, a portion of the north side of the site is still standing. That site... In Scripture, the north wall is where Rahab's house was. Rahab's house, this prostitute who helped out people, her house is still standing, being dug out. It's still being dug. They're still working on it. I mean, if that doesn't blow your mind, I don't know what does. If that doesn't say, hey, I'm following God, you know, I, I don't know what does. Because that's incredible. And there's stuff like that all the time in archaeology, and you're never going to hear about it. Because it's not going to be average. You know, Brian Williams isn't going to go, oh my goodness, I just found the most remarkable archaeology site. Let me take you to it. You know, I'm here in Israel right now, and, you know, let's go to Tom Brokaw. Well, here I am in Israel, and we just dug up. It's not going to happen. It just doesn't happen. But you can do your research, and you can look it up yourself. That's not the only thing. There's a city called Megiddo. It was the biggest debated city because nobody believed it existed. All of a sudden, they found it. Oh, but it's not really the way it happened. All of a sudden, it's the way it happened. Oh, but hang on. No, no, no. Just shut up, man. Just come on. It's not working for you. People say things that are not based on evidence. 
And we have ample evidence to show that Scripture is true. We have ample evidence to show, just through archaeology, that the Bible's message of a loving Creator who interacts in the affairs of mankind and has provided a means of salvation stands in very sharp contrast to what our culture says and wants and wishes. Which I don't really understand that because, I mean, I want a salvation, I want a Savior. So, so we kind of have a, a, an understanding here. I mean, this is, this is good stuff, okay? And like I say, this is general principles. You can go and very, specific, very specifically look some of these things up. Now, let's talk about Scripture itself. Some of the prophecies in Scripture, prophecies, verse five and number five, all of them, all of them, were fulfilled about Jesus except for His return. That hasn't happened yet. Okay, and if they have been fulfilled, then we've been left behind, and we need to start thinking about our backup plan. All right, so so we we have got to understand that that all every one of the Old Testament scriptures about Jesus about his, his coming, his walking among man, his being crucified, his being resurrected, his ascension into heaven, all of them were fulfilled. The only ones left to be fulfilled are his return. Let me give you some examples. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. That's Jesus. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. All of these things he was called. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne. He was in the line of David. And over his government, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. This was written 730 years before Jesus ever came on the scene. Micah 5.2, he's a parallel to Isaiah, or a contemporary, so it's about 700 as well. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, it's a great name, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. This is where Jesus was born, 700 years before he comes on the scene. Hosea 11. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. Now, if you're fir- at first glance, you're thinking, yeah, they called Israel out of being slaves and that kind of thing. But this is also a foreshadowing because when, king, when Jesus was born, King Herod said, whoa, 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 king's born, I'm killing every one of the baby, baby boys. And so what happens? God tells Joseph and Mary to take him to Egypt. And then when Herod died, he said, y'all come on back home. And he calls them out of Egypt. 700 years before. Zechariah, this is 500 B.C., 500 years before. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man who is close to me, declares the Lord Almighty. Strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered, and I will turn my hand against the little ones. Jesus on the cross, his crucifixion. The sheep, the disciples being scattered, disappearing, This is big time stuff, because every one of these things, these are just the prophecies about Jesus and his crucifixion and his life. I mean, there's there's all kinds of prophecies about his return. Woo! 
ooh, we need to get into that, you know, because we need to know what's coming. I, I, y'all, have y'all read some of this stuff? It's crazy stuff, you know. Moon's going to turn dark and blood and red and all this other stuff, you know. Uh, you know, they talk about a blue moon every once in a while, but, but the whole red moon, bleeding moon, that's going to freak you out, okay? There's all kinds of stuff about a second coming. And we have evidence that, has, that Jesus has already done and fulfilled these things. We have no reason not to believe that his return is not going to be the same. It could happen tomorrow. It could happen right now. It'll hurt, but it'll happen. You get sucked up through the ceiling here. Number six, biblical witnesses. Biblical witnesses. Over 500 people saw Jesus after he rose from the grave. Now, yes, I'm using Scripture now to prove Scripture. But we've already established that it has truth to it. And so we can look at this as a historical document and see that people saw Jesus after he was dead and buried. Mary Magdalene, John, James, Philip, Thaddeus, Peter, Bartholomew, Simon the Zealot, Andrew, Thomas, Cleopas, James, who's the son of Zebedee, Matthew, Nathaniel. Paul states this, he says that over 500 people saw Jesus before he ascended into heaven. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says this. He says, after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep, though some have died. So y'all with me here? I mean, this is, this is big stuff. This should give us incredible confidence. This should give, and, and, and dare I say, this should make you cocky about Jesus. And I don't mean in an arrogant way, but I mean you should walk around like you know the truth, because you do. You should walk around like you've got it, because you do. This is big time stuff. Then the last one is this. Truth. Number seven, truth. The Bible has never been proven wrong. And by proven, I mean had ample evidence showing that it was wrong. It's never been proven wrong. It's never had a ton of evidence saying, well, you know, this and this and this and this and this and this, there can't be a God. This and this and this and this and this, there can't be a Jesus. It's just not there. What we have and what you will see all of the time, almost every single time, you will find somebody who says something and they have a doctor before their name or a PhD after their name or maybe two or three of those things before or after their name. And because they're super smart or they have the degree, well, it must be true. But thousands and thousands of people have degrees and have made big statements in have been proven wrong. And we have to understand that there has to be evidence. And I do not, now I'm not, I realize I'm not the only guy in the world, but I've never seen ample evidence proven or given against the Bible. Not once. Not one time. I've done the research. I've looked this stuff up. I've tried to figure out, okay, God, I was in seminary and I was going through this whole you know, God, where are you phase, you know? And, and I started looking this stuff up. It doesn't exist. It's just a bunch of guys who say, eh, I don't think it works. I don't think it does. 
I don't think Jesus really said this. I don't think this happened. And it's all based upon things that are not evidence. And so therefore, it's not proof. You can opinionate all you want, but I want to see some evidence. Now, why does this matter to us? Let me close out with this. Why does this matter? Because this shows that Jesus is real. This shows that God is alive. This shows for us, for me and for you, that when we talk to our friends about Jesus, we are right. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a Rush Limbaugh here and say, ah, I got it all together, because I don't. But I know that this is correct. This is not a Bible, but y'all know what I'm saying. <laughs> this scripture is right. It is right. And when somebody says it's not, you say, show me the proof. Show me the evidence. Well, I saw this thing on the internet one time and, you know. No, 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 no. Let's go out to some archaeology site and you show me how this city didn't exist. No, 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 no. Because Scripture says that 500 people saw him rise and be alive after he was dead. You show me that. Show me how that's not true. This is big time stuff. We have no reason to leave these doors and not be cocky. And y'all know what I'm saying. Not be correct about who we believe in, what we believe in, because we are. And if I sound cocky and come off cocky, good. Take it as an example and go out. Don't come to your friends like, oh, I'm right, you're wrong. You know, that's an awful way to do that. I'm not encouraging that. But you in your heart and your mind, you know. You walk out of here knowing that you believe in something that is rock solid. Everybody with me? Because if we don't, whenever we approach our friends, our family, our neighbors, what, whoever it is, and we start talking about Jesus and we start to kind of shirk and we start to kind of, oh, yeah, I don't know about that. Oh, yeah, I'm not sure, whatever, you know. There's no room in that because it's all correct. It's all right there. Y'all with me? Everybody with me? This is big-time stuff. You want more evidence? Man, I challenge you to go get it, because it's out there. Go to, go to the seminary down here. I mean, you can even look stuff up on the Internet. It's a little wacky sometimes, but if you find good scholarly sources, it's there. You're not going to get it on the nightly news. You're not going to get it in our culture. And people just don't believe it. But it's there, and it's right. 